0: Welcome to the Joe Moran Show with your host, Joe Moran. It is a cold, sunny morning here in the Midwest. Um, Sunny, beautiful, but uh, certainly a little chilly. Um, I do these podcasts outside, and as we get closer and closer to fall, winter, I'm going to have to change how I do these because... I'm freezing, it's 50 degrees where I'm at, and uh, I'm not going to be able to provide this valuable content to you if it's 30 degrees outside, because I'm just not going to make it, just not going to make it, but I've got my piping hot coffee here, going to weather the cold weather, if you will. Because there's too many things that we got to talk about, since I haven't done the show in a couple days, due to some personal conflicts. Uh, A couple things before we get started. Just holy shit, what was that debate? Right? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That debate was. We're going to talk about it. We had some interesting stuff come out last night um, about Pelosi and, and Mnuchin. And the progress they're making on a fiscal package. Um, I don't think it's going through, but the um, how we got here it really isn't that surprising. We've talked about it, but I want to dive into fiscal, what it means, what it looks like, um, why I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. But uh, it's important for us to talk about job data. Jobs data came out this morning. We need to dive in deep. And then I want to talk about all of the layoffs that are starting to occur um, from various companies in the economy and how this is all this was all predictable, right? I mean, it's all predictable. Everything that's gonna happen for the next five to ten years, regarding the economy, regarding your currency, is predictable. It is. Every part of it. Every part of it's predictable. Now, we can't predict timing of the events, right? We can't predict the timing. But we know who the players are. We know who the players are. So, we're going to go through it. We're going to talk about it. And... I'm excited. I think we're going to have a great show today. I mean, it is just a crazy, crazy world. Crazy world we're living in. And (laughs) you guys know my opinion. It's only going to get more dysfunctional, right? It is only going to get more dysfunctional. So, and then I also want to talk about the polls. Um why don't we start there? Why don't we start? Why don't we start with the polls? Because it gives us a window into what's happening politically. With that debate performance the other night, it gives us a window into the renewed stimulus talks between Pelosi and Mnuchin, while you have McConnell kind of on the sidelines, and and it'll actually help help us kind of weave in through the fiscal discussion when we start talking about the jobs and the various layoffs um, and what it means long-term. Because it's all connected. Everything's connected. I mean, I think that's the thing that people still, you know, are failing to really grasp in 2020 is the inner connectedness, if that's such a word, Of all of the various systems, right, how dynamic everything is um, in the world, right, and how changes in one area, whether it's politically, economically, socially, impacts the other Um, because all the systems are connected. And so, when you start pulling the string in one area, it influences another. And it's just really important to understand how all of these things touch and relate. Because then you can start anticipating... How to react to these changes to put yourself in the best position to be successful. And that's really what this is all about, right? We just want to be successful. So, polls. 538. You know, this is through... This is really... These are polls um, that were added today, but dated through the 28th. So, let's call it dated through... What is that? Monday night, Monday night. So really not even impacted yet from the debate, um, even though kind of the polling after the debate shows that, you know, people, you know, people think that Biden went and we'll touch on that. But right now, you know, presidential approval. Heavy on the disapproval side, I mean, we're talking 13, 14, 15 points. People aren't impressed with the job. Right. Trump, you're not getting it done. You're not getting it done. The people aren't impressed. They're just not impressed. He's never been able to hit a 50 percent approval. Ever. People aren't impressed. Okay, so that's just general presidential approval. It's not going well. And they're fairly large sample size, right? The sample size is anywhere from 1,000 to 4,400. And you're talking about 13, 14, 15 points upside down. Just not a winning, it's not a winning equation for Donald. Okay? On the presidential side, again, Biden's up 8, 9, 8 in a general election. They're not close. They're not close. South Carolina, um I saw some stuff last night, it wasn't on this poll, but the the gap was actually tighter than this. So this has Trump up, you know, 4 or 5 points. You know, I saw it last night where it was plus 1 for Trump. So he's got wiggle room there. I mean, we know that Trump's going to carry South Carolina. So even if it showed me, even if I saw that Biden was plus 3, I wouldn't believe it. Um but It's not plus 20 for Trump, right? I mean, he he won this state by like 20 points in 2016. And right now it's plus four, plus five. Right? And that sets the stage. It sets the stage. Maine, Biden, plus 14. Arizona, plus four for Biden. Iowa, this is showing... Again, this is through the 28th that Trump was up plus 3, plus 5. I saw a poll last night where Biden's now plus 2. <laughs> now, maybe that's action from post-debate, right? But, I mean, these are states that Trump just blasted through in 16. Pennsylvania, Biden plus 6. Ohio, Biden plus 2. If we start talking about Biden winning Ohio... Winning Pennsylvania, winning Iowa, winning Arizona, winning North Carolina, winning Florida. These are just polls that he's winning. They're polls that he's winning right now. How big of a margin is it? What's the margin of victory? People are already voting. More people have voted right now by a factor of like 86 times compared to 2016. They're already voting. Now we could have some october surprise, right? You know, I mean, I, don't, I I you got you have to assume that Trump and his cronies are going to have something up their sleeve um, to try to shift public opinion right up right up against the election. But the problem is, I think people are just tired of the chaos. They're just exhausted by the chaos. It's exhausting, this guy. It's exhausting. You know, the pandemic was bad for Trump because you realize that he can't execute on things, right? He doesn't execute. He's not an executor. It's not what he is um, it just isn't what he is. He can't execute, right? I mean, he's got failed business after failed business after failed business. He's not an executor. That's okay. All right. Not everybody's an executor. You can be a great CEO, right? In a lot of ways, and you don't have to be a great executor. Now you need to be surrounded by great executors, right, that can get shit done, but you yourself don't have to be a great executor. Problem is Trump, he doesn't have anybody on his team that can execute. He can't execute. And so for the first three years, you know, let's call it three and a quarter years of his presidency, he hasn't done anything, right? He hasn't really enacted any policies. They pushed through a tax bill early on, and that was really it. That's all they've really done. Uh, what he has done is he's basically unwound all of the Obama policies that were implemented. I mean, that's what he's done, right? And the pandemic, the pandemic, not only could he not execute right and uh, put together a plan that protected the nation from the virus, we've have over two hundred thousand people that have died. And we still don't have a plan. Uh, I'm not bitter, but we don't have a plan. That's why I'm sitting outside and it's fifty degrees. But I think what really, what really tipped the scales on the pandemic was that it created a lot of chaos in people's lives, right? <sighs> Excuse me. A lot of chaos. You know, we can adapt, people adapt, we survive, but it created chaos. We had to change. And that chaos has been exhausting for people, right? Now, that's that's without all the Trump shenanigans, right? We just created chaos, and that's okay, all right? We can deal with chaos. But we've been dealing with chaos for three years with Trump. Then you got a pandemic, more chaos that gets added on. And then the constant just Trump shenanigans that are just more chaotic, more chaotic. And people are tired of it. They're tired of it. They are worn down. Suburban women are worn down. Suburban men are worn down. The country is worn down from the chaos. From the chaos. And so I don't even think if there is an October surprise that it matters. Because Trump doesn't have any credibility. He has no credibility. He lies all the time. So anything that he says, you're just like, well, you're a liar, so it doesn't matter. It's not worth anything. And you step back and you say, well, who's going to be influenced by some October surprise? Do you think it's going to be people that are worn down? Who gives a shit if Hunter Biden took three and a half million? He didn't. But who cares? Doesn't matter. Right? Can Joe Biden execute? Probably. That's what I care about. Not more Trump shenanigans. I mean, people are just exhausted. And so these polls, you know, what could change the outcome based on these polls? I don't think anything's changed in the numbers, right? The numbers are the numbers. And I don't think you're going to have some huge shift, right, in the data. Over the next month, people are already voting at these margins. Not good for Trump. He still doesn't have a plan to solve for the pandemic. He's, you know, he's he's looking at herd immunity. We'll get to the debate, but the debate was fucking chaos. It was a shit show. So that didn't help him. He's trying to buy people's votes by setting up specific plans all of a sudden to help African-Americans to provide extra benefits to the elderly right before the election. I mean, talk about trying to buy votes. And we'll get to the fiscal, but that's what that that's what that is. That's why Mnuchin's banging down Pelosi's door. <laughs> it's just, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But we're going to keep talking about the polls, but the not the, the data's not going to change. They're not going to shift, right? Arizona. Look, the Senate, it's going to be a fucking sweep for the Dems. Because people are tired Right? People want elected officials to be civil, to have core principles that they believe in, and that execute. That's it. That's it. That's it. So, Kelly, she's up nine. They're up, Kelly's up nine over McSally in Arizona. Ernst is down against Greenfield in Iowa by 1 2 Susan Collins you're 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 out you're out You and your both sides and we'll get to Susan Collins comment on the debate it's I mean it was it's disgraceful It's disgraceful you're out You're down 5 you're out Graham, you're only up plus one in South Carolina. You're in trouble. Colorado, Gardner, you're out. Barbara Bollier in Kansas. She's basically break even for a Senate spot against Roger Roger Marshall in Kansas. People are tired. And that was always, this was always the problem with the Republican strategy of going all in on the Trump thing. Right? Jumping in the Trump wagon. Which is what they've done for the last four years. Yeah, 40% of the country is all in on the Trump wagon. But what happens when the ride's over? Because I'm not going to forget. The elderly, they're not going to forget. The millennials, the Gen Zers, they're not going to forget what happened over these 4 years. And you're already a shrinking minority, so you need to be you need to be expanding your base, not reducing your base. Is it worth a 6-3 Supreme Court? Maybe it is. But what do you think the Dems are going to do when they get in? They're going to fucking change the game. And they're going to change the game because you've had one party, for the most part, and I, I mean the Dems do it too, but you've had one party that sacrificed core principles for power. And consolidation of power. And so you're likely going to be fucked in a month, right? That's what the polls are telling you. As the Republicans scramble to get through this uh, Supreme Court nominee, and as they do everything they can, and we'll get to Trump's comments at the debate, to hold on for dear life. It's slowly, slowly slipping out of their grasp. That's what the polls are telling you. And it doesn't matter, right? Whether there's some October surprise. Hunter Biden, yeah, took three and a half million. Well, it's bullshit, but let's say that he did. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So... We're gonna. I, I can't wait for the polls post post debate because that was that was a shit show. That was an absolute shit show. So let's talk about the debate for a second. Let's talk about the debate. I mean. Uh, the tactics. Right. So the strategy for Trump was to be aggressive, to cause Biden to screw up because Trump's down. Right. So Trump is the one that needs to make the move to force Biden into an air so he can catch up. And the debate was his, was probably that that debate was his opportunity. That was his opportunity. You know, he needed to put Biden in a box And cause him to make air after air after air to make him look incompetent, senile, to create doubt in the American people's mind that Biden can't do the job. That was Trump's job during the debate. That's it. And Trump, Trump can't execute couldn't execute the strategy. His tactics within the debate were way off. Way off. Constant interruptions. Constant interruptions of Biden. Not adhering to the debate rules that his that his party set and his team set. Getting in verbal altercations with the moderator. Now, it allows Trump to play victim and say, well, I was debating two people, the moderator and Biden. But remember, the majority of this country is tired. They have Trump fatigue. So they're not going to buy any of the bullshit that he's selling anymore. Like, that's done. It's done. And so Trump's tact within the debate itself. Started working against him. And as he knew, as you could see, you could see the debate moving in Biden's favor, you could see Trump continuing to double down on his approach. To the point where he actually wouldn't condemn white supremacy and white supremacists. He told an alt-right group to stand by and stand back. He asked for his followers, his supporters, to do mass poll watching to intimidate voters and let's let's talk about that for a second the republicans for the last i mean since i can remember like even okay so let's call it i'll say 2008 but before that they've been talking about voter suppression and having poll watchers and voter fraud when it didn't exist they've been talking about this for years and why are they doing that because they are the minority and their base is getting smaller and the only way that they can stay in power and have a voice at the table is if they stop people from voting. That's it. That's it. So Trump, Trump is explicitly saying this during the debate. Poll watchers, go. Proud boys, be ready. White supremacy, not a problem. He's saying all these things during the debate. He's interrupting Biden when Biden's talking about his son who died, who was a veteran, and Trump brings up Hunter Biden's cocaine addiction. And actually, I thought that was one of the more effective moments for Biden during the entire debate. When he talked to his son in the camera and the American people and he acknowledged, he acknowledged that his son has battled substance abuse problems. You know what? I, I know a lot of people that have dealt with substance abuse problems. A lot of them. And it's a struggle. It's not something to make fun of or to put down or to be critical of another human being if they've dealt with it or they've known somebody in their family that's dealt with it, it's a serious issue. And Biden displayed real grace, real empathy that's going to resonate with the American people. Biden didn't need to hit a home run in the debate, he didn't. He's up by a substantial margin. He needed to not screw up, right? Not have a complete meltdown. But he just needed to he just needed to bring a B performance. Show up, act competent, have empathy, act presidential, and it would have been a success. And everything the, the stark differences, the contrast between the two individuals themselves couldn't have been more clear than what was on display at that debate night. Couldn't have been more clear. Just in terms of how they act, and then let's get to the policies. Everything, maybe not everything, the vast majority of everything that Trump said was a complete lie. It was a lie. He can't be honest. There is no difference between the truth and what's a lie anymore in Trump's world. There isn't. And so when it actually came to policy, even though policy um, won't be remembered as part of the debate because it'll all be focused on Trump's performance and what a shit show it was, Biden was the most articulate, most knowledgeable, When he was talking about climate change and the plan that he would implement, Trump didn't interject because Trump doesn't know anything about climate change. He doesn't. He doesn't understand it. There is no plan. Right? And so we get to the end of the debate. And then we start talking about the integrity. Chris Wallace starts talking about the integrity of the election. And will you tell your supporters to not challenge once the results are final? Biden says, absolutely. Let's count all the votes. Let's count all the votes. And if I win, I win. If I lose, I lose. And that's right. The will of the people have spoken the winner wins or the loser and the loser loses and we go on our way. Trump He told us what he's going to do. He's he's banking on the new Supreme Court justice to influence the election. He said that if there's 10,000 ballots where there's potential issues, then he's not going to accept the election results. He told us what he's going to do. If you think Trump is just going to simply walk out the door without throwing any type of a fit, I think you're crazy. Biden needs to win, and it needs to be a blowout. I mean, I'm talking like 400 electoral votes to whatever, 100 and, you know, 120 or whatever the number is. I mean, it needs to be a full-fledged schlacking for Trump just to walk out. And I don't think he'll do it because I think he's actually going to put up a fight, even if he knows he's going to lose because of his supporters and he won't want to look weak to his uh, white supremacy friends. So the debate performance was just a disaster for Trump. It was a disaster. It was a disaster. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how the polls reflect that. And Susan Collins, you're going to be gone. And the reason you're going to be gone is because of statements like this. So I'm going to read just part of this article because it's – it's just unbelievable. It's just, it's unbelievable how people just don't have a pulse for uh, for the country, right? And their principles are so jaded, they forgot what their principles are that they can't even call it out when there's an issue. So Susan Collins blamed both sides for the debate. For the issues with the debate. Collins said Tuesday was the least educational debate of any presidential debate I've ever seen. True. Who's responsible for that? Collins opined. I think there, there was fault on both sides. Really? Both sides? Did she watch the debate? So she was pressed on this, and then she said, I think that interrupting on both sides, the name-calling was very unbecoming for a presidential debate. (laughs) The name-calling? Yes, Biden called Trump a clown. He is a clown. He acted like a clown. For four years, four-plus years, ever since the 2006 primary, we've allowed Trump to name-call and to tear down... And to tear down the decorum and the respect of our institutions that now Biden's pushing back and now it's both sides. Collins, you're going to lose Maine. You're going to lose it. And maybe she knows that. Maybe she doesn't care anymore. And so that's why she's saying both sides. I don't think so. I think she's just an idiot. And I don't want to make personal attacks. But these people lack understanding. They lack understanding. Chris Wallace, who's a Republican, he's a Fox moderator. You know, he's a Fox guy. Calls it like he sees it. And he said, during the debate, I think the country would be better served if we allowed both people to speak with fewer interruptions. And I'm appealing to you, Trump, to do that. And then Trump tried to both sides it, which is probably where Susan Collins gets it. Well, and him too, Trump responded. And then Wallace answered, well, frankly, you've been doing more interrupting than he has, sir. It's going to be a bad (laughs) – the polls are going to be bad. They're going to be bad. And so what's interesting, so we got the polls, right? So you got the polls, not in Trump's favor. Debate, horrible performance for Trump. We haven't seen the polls yet. I mean, other than I did see an Iowa poll where Biden's now leading. But the impact of the debate's not known yet. Okay? So then what happens? So then yesterday, Mnuchin starts banging down Pelosi's door to get the fiscal package done. And Trump's saying, raise the number. (laughs) Raise the number. Why is Trump all of a sudden interested... And pushing through a fiscal package, could it be because he's getting hammered in the polls? So let's talk about the fiscal package that the uh, that the Republicans, or most notably the administration, is pushing forward. So it's one point six trillion. Pelosi's bill is two point two trillion. Okay, so we're off six hundred thousand. Okay, we should be able to find a middle ground here, right? 1.75, 1.92. We should be able to get there. Now you still got to deal with McConnell. But we should be able to get there. 250 billion for state and local governments, another 400 weekly federal unemployment. Above and beyond, 150 billion for education, 750 billion for testing and tracing. $60 billion for rental and mortgage assistance. $15 billion for food assistance. They agreed on an additional $1,200 check for people. And Trump's coming to the table. And Trump's coming to the table because he's getting his ass kicked in the polls. Now, he should have done this two months ago. Because it's too late now. A, it's too late because people are suffering. Disposable incomes are going down. Savings are being destroyed. The rate of change on the unemployment isn't getting significantly better. It's slowing down, the recovery, which we've talked about. We knew this was going to happen. You still have 11 plus million people on continuous claims. Another 837,000 of additional claims. The jobs that were thought to be temporary losses are now becoming permanent losses. We've got a rash of layoffs coming from the airlines, from Disney, from the New York uh, Metro, Amtrak. Mass layoffs. It's too late, Trump. Can't execute can't execute. In the business world, you need to be able to execute, right? So it separates the winners and the losers in Silicon Valley. So it separates small business winners and losers. It separates Apple, Google, Facebook, Spotify from their competition It even separates the airlines. Look at Southwest compared to its peers. Execution. Trump, because he said that everything was going to be fine with the pandemic, that the virus would go away. Because of his constant lying about the vaccine. Because of his belief that there was going to be an immediate recovery and that demand would bounce back and people would just hire and companies would hire the same employees back that they fired or laid off, he did nothing. And the reality was everybody knew this was going to happen. This shouldn't surprise anybody. And now that Trump's getting his ass kicked, he's trying to come back to the table. Look, they're, they're going to get something done, whether it's now or whether it's post-election, right? And if it's post-election, it's probably not until Biden gets in. Biden gets in. Because Trump isn't going to do anything during the last two months to actually help the American people. He's going to be focused primarily on saving his ass from being prosecuted. Right? So if it doesn't get done now, which I don't think it will... Because of McConnell and the Republicans. But if it doesn't get done now, it gets done in January when Biden steps in. And it's going to be too late. It's already too late. The demand gap in the economy is astronomical, it's astronomical. And it just boggles my mind that they didn't move earlier. I mean, it was it's completely predictable that they're moving now because of the polls. And if the demand isn't there, then that means that businesses, small, medium, large, multinational businesses, can't pay their debt back become insolvent, have to do more layoffs to save cash flow, and it's going to get buried. And that's really the problem. Jake Jake Tapper, I'm not a big fan of Jake Tapper. I think what he did in 2016 with Hillary's emails um, was despicable, and I'm not sure he still realizes the impact, and frankly, all the news impact. On kind of the both sides equation, right? Look, every person, and this is, this is something that I think is important. Every person has flaws, right? Every party has flaws. Everybody has their own shit. We all do. Everybody does. Every company has warts. But they're not all equal. The magnitude of the various issues are different. right? When people talk about power laws and why the cream of the crop make 10x, 20x over the next tier, it's because of the value that the top 1% in whatever field, doesn't matter, brings to the table versus your person at 50% or even 90%, even top 10, right? So there's an order of magnitude difference. There's a power law difference. And Tapper in 2016, and I'll get off this in a second, but Tapper in 2016 equated all of Trump's bullshit Which was an order of magnitude higher in terms of being problematic to Hillary's emails. And he treated them as equal. And he did it and all the media people did it. And it helped influence the election because they didn't do their job correctly. They're focused on eyeballs and ratings and clicks That they didn't give an accurate representation of the race, but it's neither here nor there. He neither here nor there. But Tapper, after the debate, said he can't help but realize that uh, Trump's trying to bring the whole thing down with him, and that's the issue. Trump loses; he's gonna kick, scream, fight, and the risk is if. He tries to tear the whole thing down with him before he exits. He tries to burn as much down before he's gone. That's the risk. He's not going to do anything when he's a lame duck that benefits the American people. Because he's not going to care. He's not incentivized to care. At that point. I mean, he probably won't even do another press conference. Right? He'll just sit there in his bunker and pout. And it's a problem because the economy isn't doing well. Right? It's not robust right now. The pandemic is still here. And he's not going to care. He's not going to care. And so after the election, let's call it two and a half months, we're going to be in a holding period where we're all going to be hoping that Trump doesn't burn the whole fucking thing down. That's where we're going to be at. So, I know it was a political show today, but the politics right now they're driving everything. They're driving the economy. They're driving the response to the pandemic. They're driving the valuation of the currencies with whether or not there's fiscal. And if there's no fiscal, then it means that the Fed has to do more from a monetary standpoint. And right now, politics are at the center. Trump's at the center. So we got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. And again, I know I wasn't very impartial today. Right? And I didn't look at both sides of the equation today. But, we can't do that with Trump. Trump's different. Because Trump doesn't care about the democracy. And so when Trump's gone, whenever that is, and maybe it's 50 years from now if he wins, right? When Trump's gone, and we can bring some intelligence and some respect, some decorum, back to politics, presidential politics, and Congress... We'll look at both sides. And we'll talk about what's the best outcome from an intellectual standpoint, right? But we got to weather the storm. The next three months, it's going to be volatile. It's going to be chaotic. And that's because of Trump. He's going to make it chaotic. He loves chaos. problem is everybody else doesn't. And until tomorrow, keep your ear to the grindstone.